Hi, everybody. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas, uh, Texas, on Friday, February the 4th. And welcome to our commentary. Just as uh, we started recording, uh, we are getting some reports of some type of retaliation uh, going on in Syria. This is, of course, uh, about those three American soldiers who were killed a few days ago. Look, I, as I've said before, I will support President Biden. If there is retaliation, we need to do that. I also think it's very important where we retaliate. And if we're not mess- sending a message to Iran that there will be a big price to pay, then we may be missing an opportunity. But again, I'm going to wait for more information to come out uh, about this, but we need to be hitting Iran. Uh, if not directly militarily, we need to be hitting them where it hurts financially or any way we can do it, sanctions, whatever. Because they're the ones behind this. They're the ones behind all of this, and they need to pay a price uh, for the fact that they've been attacking or their, let's say their clients have been attacking American interests here for, for quite some for quite some time. Well, I'm also going to begin with a story that came out today, Friday, that uh, a good jobs report that came out over something like over 300,000 jobs that were created. And that's a good jobs report. I'm happy for for the people who have jobs and who have, you know, been able to get back in the labor market. So I'm happy to I'm happy to report that. But the same day, this is what confuses the heck out of me. Uh, and maybe it confuses you, too. Uh, the same day that they announced that uh, we have a, a really good jobs report, then they also tell us uh, that companies are laying off and planning to lay off in, in huge numbers. So more jobs, more layoffs. I'm not exactly sure what that means. We're going to try to dive into that a little bit better and, and maybe you look into it because it sounds like a contradiction to me. More jobs, more layoffs. That's not a good uh, a good combination to, uh, to say the least. So we're going to dive into that maybe a little bit over the next few days and try to get uh, just a better sense of what the heck is going on with the with the American economy, we obviously have the inflation overhang that is still with us, and that uh, that of course uh, takes a while to to get that out of your system because those prices have increased so much that it takes a while for for that to get out of out of the system. So we'll we'll dive into it more and and try to understand better what's going on. More jobs, but more layoffs. Yeah, kind of a difficult thing to to understand. Let's talk a little bit about. The 2024, because we've been getting all kinds of polling data. And if you look at the polling data, if you look at the tendency, which is what I like to look at, I don't believe that one poll will tell you everything. I think you got to look at the tendency. You got to look at where these polls are going and what are they telling us over over time. And if you look at the, at the polling data, when it's Mr. Trump versus Mr. Biden, which by the way, I think that'll be the first time in American history, that a former president is running against a current president, but that'll be that'll be interesting. I think Cleveland did it back whenever it was, but I'm not exactly sure whether he was running against the incumbent president or not. I'm not clear about that, but definitely uh, Biden versus Trump would be president uh, versus uh, versus president on the ballot. But if you look at those two, just those two, what you see is a tendency tendency favoring. Former President Trump. The polling data clearly shows that uh, President Trump is winning that particular contest. And then, if you look at the what they like to call the swing state polls, you know, Michigan, Pennsylvania, 
you know, states like that. Again, it looks good for for President Trump. Uh, I, there was a video that came out today, basically, uh, you know, saying that 2024, in terms of the Electoral College, could look very similar to uh, 2020, when Mr. Trump got like 306 electoral votes and, and so on, that it could look like that. It could actually look very much uh, in 2024. But I think the big story of 2024, what nobody's really talking about, is what the other candidates, what we like to call the third party candidates, could do to the race. And there's basically four that will be uh, in the race. Two less of a factor, and that is uh, this professor. I think his name is Cornell West. I think that's his name. If, if I'm mispronouncing it, sorry. Uh, that's one factor. The other factor is Jill Stein, who would run as the candidate of the Green Party. Those two together could take a few votes away from, from the Democrats, but probably not a lot to impact uh, the election. The two who I think could be very significant are Robert Kennedy and Joe Manchin, assuming those two get in all 50 ballots, and they're trying to do that at the moment. They're trying to get in all 50 states. Now, I understand that Robert Kennedy may run as a libertarian. And if that's the case, he's in every state because they're already uh, in every single state. But uh, whatever he runs, it looks more and more like he will be in lots and lots of different states. And if you look at the three-way race, Trump, Biden, Kennedy, um, we haven't really seen anything for Manchin yet, but assuming those three are running, Trump, Biden, and Kennedy, what you're seeing is that Kennedy gets on a national scale anywhere from 10 to 15 percent of the popular vote. That's what he's doing right now. But then, of course, it changes when you take him to different states. Uh, some states he'll do better than that. Other states he won't do as well. For example, here in Texas, I don't think uh, he'll get 10 percent of the vote. But if you go to Colorado, if you go to Oregon, maybe California, he may get 10 percent of the vote. Massachusetts, he may get 10 percent of the vote. And that's when he could be a factor against uh, against President Biden. But if you look at, at a three-way race, which could very well be what uh, people vote for or what the choices are going to be on the ballot, if you look at that, then all of a sudden you're looking at a potential repeat uh, of the 1912 election. For those of you who remember from your history class in 1912, uh, Woodrow Wilson who at the time was the governor of Virginia, was elected president of the United States. But he basically got like 42, 43% of the popular vote, but he practically carried every state because the, the Republicans were divided between two, two candidates and he ended up winning an electoral college landslide, but barely got 42, 43% of the popular vote. And that could very well repeat itself in 2024, if we have these uh, these three candidates, that is President Trump, let's say, getting about 45 percent of the vote, uh, Joe Biden maybe getting 40 percent of the vote, and somebody like Robert Kennedy getting about 14, 15 percent of the vote. If that were to happen, then I think you would have President Trump winning the presidency or returning uh, to the presidency with roughly a plurality of the popular vote but winning big, potentially winning, you know, states like, you know, New Jersey and and maybe Colorado and some states that he wasn't projected to win simply because of the Kennedy, 
the Kennedy factor, Virginia could be another one of those states where Kennedy could be helpful. So my point for bringing this up is that I don't think anybody's talking about this. I don't think anybody's talking about the fact that it's not going to be just Democrat versus Republican in the fall. It is going to be Mr. Trump, Republican, whoever the Democrat is, let's assume Biden for the moment, and then Robert Kennedy. And I think Robert Kennedy is going to do real well uh, in lots of places because he is connecting. He's doing well. 10 to 15 percent on the polls or in the polls is not a bad number for a third party candidate. The last time uh, we had two third party candidates who had an impact. Well, maybe we should say three because uh, Ralph Nader did in 19 in 2000. I think he did in Florida, certainly helped uh, Mr. Bush win Florida. But the last two before that would, of course, George Perot, I mean, uh, Perot, uh, Ross Perot, excuse me, Ross Perot back in 1992. He was clearly helpful in getting Bill Clinton elected in 1992. And then you go back to 1968, George Wallace was clearly a factor in electing uh, Richard Nixon that year. Now, George Wallace did win several states. I don't think Robert Kennedy would win a state, but he would be a factor in many in many of these states. So I think that's going to be the big story of 2024, the fact that Americans are going to vote for more than just a Democrat or Republican, and that is going to have an impact. I think, as it stands right now, it would help uh, President Trump more uh, than uh, President Biden. You know, you've had this incident in New York. Uh, you heard about these two guys who were, who were beating up a, a police officer. They were arrested. They were let go. And apparently now they don't know where he is. But I think the larger or where they are, I should say, they, they believe, they suspect they left uh, New York, which is amazing to me, how these two guys were allowed to leave uh, town. But what I think the larger picture here is what is happening to the police in many of these blue cities where more and more we see the police disrespected, we see the political class not supporting the police, and I think that's already taking a toll on the police departments of many of these cities. You see more and more of these cities cannot sign up police, they cannot recruit police. Well, how are they going to recruit police when they're treated in that fashion? You have two people, I believe they're part of these migrants in New York, I don't know for sure, but that's what they're saying, and they beat up, it's on video, it's right there, everybody can see it, and they get arrested, they're let go, and now they're out of the they're out of the state. Uh, who knows where where they're headed to? I mean, how can you show that much disrespect for the police force and still have people sign up to serve in the police? I mean, I think it's a terrible situation, and some Democrat governor is going to have to stand up for the police in some of these uh, Democrat cities. I mean, the governor has a responsibility to the entire state, and uh, they're not helping the police. In many of these Democrat uh, these Democrat cities, well, on this day in history, I'm sure all of you remember uh, the program Charlie's Angels. It was very popular, I guess, in the late '70s. The three beautiful young women who were police officers, and uh, you know, there were Kate Jackson, Jacqueline Smith, and the other one was uh, Farrah Fawcett. Uh, well, she was born on this day in 1947, passed away in 20 or 2009. So we remember for Farrah Fawcett, who was born on this day in Corpus Christi, Texas. You know, two out of the three angels were Texans. Jacqueline Smith was from Houston and Farrah was from uh, Corpus Christi, Texas. I don't remember where Kay Jackson was from, but was from. But anyway, we remember Farrah today, who was, of course, the blonde of the three. 
And I think her husband was the million dollar man, wasn't he? Jim Majors, was it? And they made a wonderful couple back uh, at that time. Thank you for listening. Have a great weekend, everybody. And we'll talk to you later. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas.